Welcome to the Maintenance Maniacs podcast, focused on all things related to equipment maintenance and building operations. Please respect all applicable legislation, company regulations, and most importantly, personal confidence level. Don't attempt something just because you heard it on a podcast. I could start this job at any time. I got a strong back, steel toes, rarely call in sick. A good truck, what I don't know, I catch on real quick. I work weekends if I have to, nights and holidays, give you 40 and then some, whatever it takes. Welcome to the Maintenance Maniacs podcast. I'm your host, Victor Grant, my co-host, Chris Wilcox. He's on the line. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Hello. How are you, buddy? Good, good. Week's been going good for you? Yes, sir. Can't complain. Can't complain. So we got some good feedback from our premiere episode where we did a little bit of a co-host introduction for both of us. And uh, we thought our next topic, or I guess our first topic, is going to be starting out in a maintenance trade or starting out as a rookie, however you want to word it. And I I thought I'd start things off with a really good quote that I read recently. And I think I kind of touched on this a little bit on the first episode and it was never say that's not my job. So chip in to help with what needs to be done. Even if it's not your responsibility, do what needs to be done or help someone find the solution period. And I think when you're starting out, that's the attitude to have. So you might be starting out in a maintenance attendant type, position or a day porter position where you're doing more of a cleaning based type thing where you might have skills to bring but you're still starting off at a base position or like a first year apprentice I guess is what we could equate it to to most of the trades so my question here we'll start the discussion Chris so you're in a position where you supervise others Um, I'm in a position where I supervise others so we're going to talk about this from both what we like to see in coworkers when we're working with them and then what we like to see in workers that we're supervising. Does that sound like a fair plan? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's cool. a uh, that is a very deep quote. There's lots of uh discussion wrapped around that quote to be honest. Yeah, for sure. So I guess uh to get like some of the logistics stuff out of the way. So if, if you're in a, a trade right now and you're thinking, you know, uh, being a plumber's not what I want to do right now or for the rest of my life or electrician or HVAC or whatever, and you're interested in the maintenance trade, I can tell you right now, that's going to look really good on your resume. It's going to help you get in the door, but you're also going to need other tickets or power engineering, depending on what the, legislation is in your in your state or province or whatever for operating boilers and things like that so your first job it may just be a contract position Uh, you might not get any benefits it might be an hourly rate limited overtime for uh any opportunities there for overtime sorry or uh limited vacation days you might be brought in on a six-month contract and you're there for the spring and summer and you're there to help cover holidays from the other operators. 
do you guys do anything like that in your position, Chris? Um, yes. Yes and no. We use very little contractors, but the contractors that we do use are the same ones every time. And it's funny that you kind of approached it from that direction because um, I've often seen from quite a few of those folks feeling out if we would have any openings and what that might look like. Um, we haven't had anybody where they kind of like, uh, you know, are actually moving towards that yet. We have borrowed labor from so, uh, some of the subcontractors um, and had them in house every day for a couple weeks or whatever. Um, you know, and, and, and it's funny because in that we're, we're prepping them for the job that they're not looking for yet. So they start doing things, uh, doing on the boiler every morning and blowing them down and uh, uh, going and checking the fire system and stuff like that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, that is definitely a viable way uh, to transition is if you can find, um, you know, whatever's available is part-time. If it's an actual full-time offer. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, how we kind of do it in my area of the world is unless you start as a day porter, which is, for people who don't know that terminology, it's like the person who's at, say, like an office building during the day, the whole day, you know, they change the garbages, they clean the elevators, they sweep the floor, they mop the floor, vacuum the rugs at the front entrances, and then any kind of washroom maintenance, you know, if there's like uh, soap, paper towels, toilet paper, things like that. So that's like what a day porter would be. If you're starting above that, you'd be in kind of a maintenance technician field is what we would call it out here. So a maintenance technician, they would be the guys doing exactly what you just mentioned, like tasks given to them by either a supervisor or another building operator. So this would be not getting tenant requests or work orders directly. You would be getting instructions from a fellow employee to go do that task. So I, if I'm understanding correctly, you're kind of in the same situation where you would have borrowed laborers doing that kind of stuff in your group. Yeah. At times. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so the way, the way it's, so in my, in my area, we typically have um, an actual cleaning crew that with us that's doing the day-to-day cleaning and stuff. And we don't have this position filled right uh, waiting in the wings, but normally what will happen is we'll bring a guy in and uh, he'll do partial task cleaning where they need help. And then he'll do partial tasks with us. And um, usually that guy gets teamed up with somebody, never leaves their side. He's never really allowed or she to do anything by themselves just yet. Uh, But they just get the, the experience of what we're doing and a little bit of skill. Once they get used to the, um, the morning walks and stuff like that, we'll probably let them go by themselves, but double check what they're doing. And then from that point on, they start learning like actual calls, how calls work, gravity of calls, um, you know, how to, uh, how I expect jobs to be done, uh, stuff of that order. So then there's like definitely a good mentorship program in place. Absolutely. So like, I like to explain it to be um, dramatic, 
but I feel it's an important subject. Uh, I start by telling our people that all of these pieces of equipment are trying to are trying to kill us. I mean, <laughs> That's I, a good, I, good way of phrasing it. Yeah. yeah, I can't put it any more plainly. And usually, he's a really good attention grabber, and then that leads into why we do things the way we do. Um, you know, I'm a big uh, drill at home till it's old school already and 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 you know i just had it happen the other day that um that a guy's power was off and and it, it was off it was off but he was working on a very simple um ballast change out for a minute it is locked out and tagged out but in my mind's eye i don't care if it is if you walk away from that job site the first thing you should do is test that onto it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's that's i could see that it was going down the road of that skipped and i said okay time out what did we forget it came back correctly right away you know and that's from driving that stuff home all the time we're all capable of making mistakes we should all be looking out for each other um the fact that he just rambled that off to me oh shoot i forgot to that means that drilling at home is working yeah, definitely. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, questions how different com- companies operate. So, uh, you know, I'm going to name some companies here and I'm not picking on any of them. I'm just using them as an example. But like, so we've got like Collier's, Avis and Young, uh, First Capital Realty, um, Oxford Group, like like all these like larger companies. Some of them are drifting away from their building operators doing a lot of the hands-on stuff. Uh, some of them permit them, like say they could work up to 120 volt or something. And then anything over that, they need to call in an electrician. Right. And they're, they're doing that as far as a liability question. And I do understand it, but I also think that if somebody is trained and competent and can complete a task that they should be able to do that. So like your example with changing a ballast and light, bank or signage or you know in an office setting or wherever this lighting is it doesn't matter if they know the process and how to do it safely they should be able to do that no problem because they're not they're not running new new stuff right you're not changing breakers you're not pulling new wires it's all just you know like uh existing swap outs i guess right right or more of a repair yeah repair an, an in place repair yeah 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 for sure. So I guess, uh, so we have that maintenance technician position. We're going to start there. So Chris, if you were putting out a job posting and you had say whatever, half a dozen people or a dozen people, it doesn't really matter how many people show up. What would you be giving someone for advice to come to that interview to secure that position for themselves? What are, what's important to you? So an important question I ask is I ask to, for a potential employee to illustrate and explain to me a couple of times that you use troublemaking, problem-solving skills to affect. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't care if you're working on a car or if there was a paperwork flow problem. I want to understand how you troubleshoot. Um, a close second is how do you react to stress? If you don't 
react well to stress, this may not be the best career for you. Because it's, con- it's constant. It doesn't let up. Definitely. So to, to touch on that first point you made, so something my old operations supervisor devised for interview was after the regular sort of where have you worked, what's your experience, what's your education, um, what's your lifestyle like, are you okay with being on call, blah, 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 all those regular questions. We actually designed, um, I guess, worksheets, for lack of a better term. And what they were was extracted uh, tenant request work orders from the system and put verbiage, like word for word, and a blank sheet of paper underneath. And we'd have different scenarios and three or four of them on each one, like one on each piece of paper. And we would say, okay, these are the first four work orders you got today. Write down and show us how you would attack these. And then we just leave the room. I like that. That's really cool. So then we would leave the room and let them sit there for, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And this allowed us to see that process and have the pressure off of them because they're not trying to think of it off the top of their head in an interview conversation type, um, uh, I guess, uh, like this, like, like I'm not thinking of the right words that I'm supposed to yeah, say. Right, right. <laughs> so it's like just to, to, to let their mind sort of take a, take a breather and think, right? And uh, what we found was very interesting. Like there was uh, one of the questions that we had um, where the tenant didn't have any power is, is what the tenant request was. And we had people like, you know, I'm, I'm metering this and I'm checking these light switches and I'm checking the computers and I'm checking if their phone works and like all this stuff. And nobody said the light switch. Well, nobody said check the main disconnect. Oh yeah, that too. Right. Like, and, and so like there was like step, 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 step. And we're like, you know what? This stuff is great. This is awesome that you're checking this stuff, but where does the power come from? And they're like the electrical room. And I'm like, right. So what would you check in the electrical room? And they're like, Oh, the main disconnect. I'm like, so why wouldn't that be your first step? You know? And some of them were like, yeah, you're right. And some of them were like, I never even thought of that. Right. And so that kind of like allowed us to see where they're, see where they were at basically right and it was very interesting it was a very useful tool uh, in an interview process so I, I guess I would give advice for anybody that is coming into an interview if you get some of those types of questions either in a written form or in a verbal form it would be to like you said how do you handle stress take a breath take five seconds and just think about it because I, Chris, Chris, you're going to agree with me on this one. I do not run into a situation with my hands flailing, trying to solve it in the first three seconds I get there. Absolutely. So I don't preach often, but I'm going to say that something that I uh, remind my guys of all the time and we talk about is, you know, most times we get an emergency call, somebody's in and they're freaking out usually, and they're running around, and oh my God, what are we going to do? And what I tell my guys is, first step, slow it all down. Slow it down. Slow it down so that we make safe, good, professional decisions. 
Because if we start spazzing out, no one's going to get anything done. I mean, we're just not going to get anything done. You're going to make bad decisions. Somebody could get hurt. There's a long list of things that can happen. So you have to slow it down. That's going to get them even more revved up. If you come in and you're spazzing out too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Especially if they don't know, like, what's going on. Like, you know, the the best one I could uh, equate an example to would be if a real fire alarm goes off and the fire trucks show up and they're evacuating the building. When I pull up to that situation, you, the amount of questions I get in the 18 steps I walk from my van to the fire captain from the tenants is insane. And it's like, I just pulled up. Just give me a few minutes. I'll talk to you as soon as I can. You know, say it with a big smile and go talk to the fire department and say, okay, this is, I'm the guy who runs this building. What do we got? What do I need to check? What do you need from me? You know? So somebody recently asked me what I like the most about what we do. Okay. And the funny thing is about that is there's a lot of things. And, and, and just because you just illustrated it, um, not necessarily the very best thing I like, but a lot of times when I roll up on a scene, you know, yellow flashing lights on the van, and I get out and I start talking to people, um, most times I can see a change in the expression on their face and the look in their eyes. And what I'm seeing is, okay, he's here now and he's going to figure this out. So not from an egotistical standpoint, but just from that I, my, my presence can do that for somebody. I think that's pretty cool. There's hope and there's help. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a very good point. I I guess uh, the difference the difference in maintenance trade versus other trades is you see the same people over and over and over and over and over again. And you could be dealing with a different problem, a different problem, a different problem, and a different problem. Absolutely. Whereas if you're just, I don't want to say just an electrician or just a plumber, but if that's what you're doing, you're there to solve the plumbing only issues. So you don't necessarily build any kind of rapport or relationship with your clients that way as much as if you're in like a building operations or building maintenance type of position. So if you like that, you're a person who likes more regular, more steady uh, types of work where you're dealing with the same people on multiple occasions this this would definitely be a job for you. Absolutely. That's cool. I like that. So I like who who asked you that if I can ask you that. It's it was actually a coworker, uh okay. one of our one of our uh, drivers. Um he actually listened to our first episode of the podcast and that caused a lot of questions to go off in his head. Oh, and, right on. Yeah, and that was the first thing. Now the funny thing is I've known this guy forever. But uh but now questions start coming. Yeah. And I, th- I thought it was a thought it was a good question. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good question. So, I guess um, <clears throat> that would be how we would approach if we're hiring somebody first time. Like just a couple pointers there. So, if you say you have five years experience, 
and you've been doing building operations for five years and you're making a switch from say public to private or uh, sole ownership to third party ownership, or you just need a change or you're moving from one area of the country to another area of the country. So what would Chris Wilcox be looking for in an experienced building operations maintenance person? So on the experience level, so this is a person coming new to me has experience from elsewhere. Yes. So that's an interesting conversation. So I'm, I'm more of a, I guess uh, I want to see for myself kind of person. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of gravity involved here, a lot of dangers. So typically I take, I, I take into consideration a person's previous experience, but I'm still going to treat you the same as anybody else that comes into my department uh, where I haven't vetted your supposed skill set. Um, and that's, that's an easy thing. That's an easy thing to figure out. So that person typically rides with me and we just start doing calls. And in the process of doing calls, I watch, you know, I see if there's something that, you know, if something you do is not something that I typically do and it makes sense, I leave it alone. I might even comment and say, Hey, I, you know, I never considered doing that like that. I like that. Um, but more so I'm looking for bad habits. I'm looking for the things that you said you can do and you say you bring to the table that they're true. And, uh, you know, that, that your work ethic, you know, cause lots of people can do, but are they doing it the right way? Are they doing it the ethical way? Um, that in some ways is more important to me than your skills. I feel like, uh, I feel like I can teach skills. I can't teach work ethic. I can't teach pride. I can't teach being a team player. So I'm watching all those things to make sure we made the best decision that we could. Um, most times with a guy that has quote unquote experience, it works out. Um, I've been doing this for 30 years. Occasionally somebody has snuck by and, you know, later turned out to be uh, not the right fit for working with us. Um, but that's a rarity. It happens far more times than people who admit that they have no experience. And to be honest, a lot of times it's not the job that does it. It's they quit themselves. So like when we, when I have an interview, I go through all this stuff that we're talking about right now. For the most part, I go through all of these things. Um, the stresses, the processes, the long hours, potential, the callback potential, um, all of those things in an effort to give you one last chance to say whether you can do it or you can't do it. And in fairness, sometimes you don't know if you can or can't do it till you try it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could appreciate that. I would say another comment on this topic too, and I've experienced this, is sometimes if you are an experienced operator and you're making a change, you might still only get a contract position. They might tell you, we want you at a, at a contract on this hourly rate for three months or six months. And what that is, is that's your training camp. Yep. They want to know, are you good enough for this team? And are you the right fit for this either portfolio or whatever? And what Chris is saying here about attitude being number one, that is 100% the biggest factor in this type of industry. 
and this type of trade, whatever you want to call it. If you, if your ego is too big to sweep the floor, you're not in the right trade. Absolutely. What you need to do is do what needs to be done. And it's not doing something you don't know how to do. I'm not saying that it's getting what you can do done to help be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. And I've experienced working with some very experienced operators who had lost their way and their attitude was their fault. They were very knowledgeable, could troubleshoot, you know, diagnostic check like crazy, but they wouldn't pick up a piece of litter on the ground beside them. They wouldn't respect uh, privacy and language around tenants. Like they would be just not presentable in a uh, professional manner, like you had mentioned before. Right. And you can't have that. You just can't have that. Like there there's, being with the trades and being with the guys or girls and, and the language and stuff like on a construction site, which is completely 180 from when you're inside of a tenant premise, you know? Yeah. So, exactly. so, so definitely something to think about there for sure. So I, I actually have a, uh, a story that completely illustrates what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Go for so it. So I, I, I have to be careful because I want to be clear because, um, my current crew listens to our podcast. So this is the point where I say, I'm not talking about anybody who currently works for me. <laughs> okay. Just There's to clear that up. That's a disclaimer. You guys are off the hook. But somebody but from don't long... do this, right? But don't <laughs> yeah. Do this. yeah. Somebody from long ago, I had a work order I made for, um, we had a problem with uh, pallets being stored with uh, too close to electrical panels. So I bought a bunch of railing. You know, f- uh, four bolt flanges that you bounce to the ground. You know, some uh, holes with a with an SDS and uh, a little bit of wedge anchors. And uh, he's got my, you know, he's borrowing some tools off my van. He's got my laser out. And he's got all this cool stuff, and he's, you know, he's having a good old time, which I love. I love that. Hey, Chris, you want to come down and look at this job? I'm done. And I walk up, and I'm like, "You're done, huh?" He says, "Yeah, I'm done." I say, "He says, what do you think?" He said, "Well, I said it looks looks nice and square." So I like what you did here. I said, except that you're not, you're not done. What do you mean? He says, how are you going to use the laser? You're going to use the battery operated SDS, all these cool tools. And you mean to tell me you couldn't grab a broom and sweep up all the dust? <laughs> you're not done. Oh, and that's, and that's what you're talking about. So yeah. I don't think in that case that, that, that he was against sweeping. I'd seen him sweep plenty of times, but, but if you think you're done with that job, it, you know, you got the shock and awe part of it done. It's not all like that. It's not this big grand job you're doing all the time. And if you're going to skip out on the finishing parts of the job, you didn't do the job right. I could, th- I could say this. So if you're coming from a uh, construction side, new construction or whatever side of the industry into a service side, which is what maintenance is is a service um you you might have drilled a concrete 
pole or drilled whatever wood chips if you're an electrician whatever and just left it because you know that well before it gets handed over to the end user it's going to be cleaned and they're going to do a thorough cleaning of everything well when you're in maintenance you're the guy who does the thorough cleaning after your task is completed absolutely whether or not you're working by yourself working with your other co-workers or working with contracted trades when when you leave that area that you're working in in a, a derelict condition a you're going to get a call back b you're going to get asked by your superiors like why didn't you clean it up right i have three vacuums on my van so that should say something right there absolutely because <laughs> it, it needs to be back to what it was you know, like if you have a, a roof leak or a pipe leak and the ceiling tiles have collapsed and it's on the carpet or on the vinyl floor tile or whatever it is, when you're done repairing that, it needs to look like it did or better than it did before that issue occurred. I mean, it should be, it should be, we come in to do stuff because we're typically working in finished spaces. So we come in to do stuff. It's almost, it almost should have the look of that whatever we accomplished just all of a sudden materialized. You you have no idea we were there. That's how it should be. And I'm, But, you know, there, there's another thing there, too, though. No matter what environment we're in, it should look better when we leave it. So if we're in this process of cleaning up, say you're doing everything right, and 10 feet away from you, you see a pile of dust, and you don't actually take the time to sweep that up, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Be observant. Exactly. That's one of the biggest skills. If you if you walk around everywhere and you've got blinders on, you know, I don't have a whole bunch of I don't have a whole bunch of use for you. And I know we're kind of doing this podcast episode in a little sporadic fashion, but just just going off of this topic here about not having blinders and being observant. So one thing that I really like to see new operators do that I work with or, or work for me is using your senses and seeing or listening or feeling how equipment operates at normal operating parameters. Absolutely. So there's there's this one thing that I will say, and I've said it on my Instagram page and some of my stories or videos, is if you get to like a new boiler room, say, and it's the middle of winter and it's whatever, minus 20 degrees Celsius outside. And you walk into that boiler room and everything's running great. Sit there for half an hour and don't touch your phone, you know, unless you get a phone call or whatever. But just observe and listen. Listen how the pumps cycle on. Listen to how they sound when they're operating. Listen to the boiler firing off and and low fire and high fire and then turn off and and how long the process takes for when you're hearing you know the gas valve and the igniter and all this stuff and just listen because next time you walk into that boiler room if it doesn't sound like that that you just had witnessed and it's that sound that you're ingrained in your brain and you're, you're looking to hear that you will pick out a bearing issue or a boiler issue so much faster than if you just came in for five minutes and then left. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I know that you deal with a lot of 
equipment and conveyor belts and overhead doors and all these types of things. So in your experience, can you just like, if I told you to walk through where you're working, would you be able to do it with a blindfold on and someone guiding you and be able to hear something is not right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think that's like a very important thing to touch on that if you're starting out in this industry and it doesn't matter what you did before, you could be a, a McDonald's chef. You could be a gas station attendant. You could be a journeyman plumber from 10 years. What you've experienced is not what you're working on now. So definitely check the ego a little bit and pay attention and be very observant and, and get those blinders off. That's a really good point, Chris. I like that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and another thing that I, I think people feel, I don't, I don't know if guilt's the right word, uh, but especially beginning guys. Um, so let's just say, for instance, you smell something and you're like, Oh man, I don't want to say something cause it's going to make me look dumb or like I'm trying to waste time or something. Absolutely not. I can't tell you how many times I, I, I got us out of a disaster because of smell alone, a slipping belt, uh, control burning, you know, that ozone smell that, that, that damaged electronics or, or burning electronics make. You have to investigate all that. When you do the job we do, we can't just walk away and say, oh, it's something from the property next door. You know, it's, it's, it's equatable to somebody saying, I smell smoke and going to bed. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah, smells definitely a good one as as far as like in my area and what I work in um, for for sanitary plumbing issues, uh, you know, backed up vents or dry traps, things like that. Like I can walk into a space and you could have a dry trap, you know, fifty feet away from me and one whiff, and I'm like, oh, you got an issue. Because I've, I've just been around it so much, right? So, I was in a retail space a couple of years ago, unrelated to their fire sprinkler system, and I'm coming across the sales floor, and I smell a smell that I've smelled plenty of times. It's the inside of a rotten sprinkler header. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, something's leaking on the sprinkler system. And then seconds later, the fire alarm goes off because a water flow sensor picked that water flow. (laughs) There you go. So, you know, and, and it's just, that's, that's the type of focus you need. And it's not something you're going to have day one, admittedly. No, definitely not. But that's what you're working towards is, you know, having the ability to be doing or using multiple senses all at once. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's a, there's a gentleman out there who's a little bit on Instagram, but he's got a bigger following on um, YouTube. Uh, uh, Mikey pipes. He's a HVAC and light plumbing guy. And one thing that he says that I cannot agree more with is uh, how does he say it? A good technician is observant of his area. And, and it's funny when he says that he's illustrating things like he had a guy that missed a, uh, a loose spade connector on a uh, 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 contactor, you know, just stuff like that. He's like, he's like, I see this, but you, you know, you weren't observing. You didn't, you didn't see it. And I'm like, you know what? That's a good slogan. I like that. Yeah. To, uh, 
to quote somebody else as well, one of the ones I, I shared with the operators that I've worked with and, and work with currently is uh, to have the right mindset in what we're doing is look around for something that bothers you and see if you can fix it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's you, you personally fixing it. You have to stay within your domain of competence, but look around for something that bothers you and see if you can fix it. And that one line can change a property that has not been maintained well into an exceptional property very fast. Oh, absolutely. So you got, you've got all these little five minute fixes, whatever you want to call them, five minute solutions. But even at the end of a month, if you're doing that almost daily, think about how much, how much gain you had on the bad. Exactly. Yeah. It's like rolling pennies. Absolutely. You know, uh, do you guys still have pennies down there? Yeah, we got, yeah, we got rid of pennies a while ago. That's crazy. Yeah. Everything's rounded to the nickel now. But I don't, I don't disagree with that. Because <laughs> I'll, like I'll be honest, it's, like, it's not like I'm going to throw them out or nothing, but I kind of get aggravated when I got like a bunch of pennies. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah. Yeah. That's cr- Yeah. I don't know. Our mint said like, no, no more pennies. I mean, there's still currency and you can use them, but yeah, everybody just rounds to the nickel now. Anyway, that's completely irrelevant to what we're talking about, but <laughs> I just love <laughs> So uh, back to the task at hand here. So on this podcast, we're talking about starting out in this trade. I think we've covered a lot of information in a fast amount of time. Uh, one thing that you mentioned earlier, somebody asked you, you know, what you like about this job. So I think personally, if, if I was to give an answer to that person, this, this driver that asked you uh whatever within the last couple weeks so if he's listening to this podcast and he's wondering what i like personally about this job and it's what i liked about my other career in the oil field which was every day is different and i get to do a wide variety of a tasks and learning a wide variety of different uh, applications of skills, I guess. So I like that when I go to my van, I have an electrical bag, I have an HVAC bag, I have a general bag, I have a plumbing bag. And when I get in there at first crack of dawn, I don't know which one I'm going to be using that day. I might have a plan. I might want to get some tasks done, but 100%, I cannot tell you what I'm going to be doing that day. And I really enjoy that. And I think that a lot of the people who have messaged me on Instagram saying, you know, I'm in so-and-so trade and I see what you do and I like it and I want to get into that. What advice could you give me? Uh, You know, as far as getting education and things like that. The one thing that I would say that I really like about this position is that it changes every day, which alleviates the monotony and getting bored, you know, like if, if you like pulling wires and you like installing outlets or you like running sprinkler pipes on new construction, that's it. And that's what you want to do. Go ahead. But I could not do that. No, I agree. So that's, that's, what's funny. That's a hard, it's a hard question for me to ask because there's a lot of things I love about what we do equally. Um, but I, I also completely enjoy the mix of things that we do. And sometimes it's a little bit of a burden. Like I set out a schedule the night before 
and I go in the next day and often we can't do that schedule because X, Y, and Z came up. Now, in that moment of wasting my time, setting up the schedule the night before, yeah, it's a little frustrating. But then we start running around and getting into stuff and, and you know, and, and things like that. And I'm like, you know what, man? This is pretty cool. Yeah, like that other day I had uh, that water leak in the washroom. So I had three other things scheduled that day. And I, I bumped them and I bumped them. And then it just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm tearing a wall out right now, so I'm not going to be able to meet you later. And I just said, we'll bump it to next week because it was just a it was a maintenance task, but it wasn't like a time sensitive one. Right. And uh, the, the operator that I was going to be meeting, he's like, yeah, it, it happens. Uh, no, no worries. And that's another key point of the attitude that you need for this is make sure that you're not going to get frustrated when all of your plans get flipped upside down and there's nothing you can do about it. Oh yeah. I can't agree more. That's, that's a regular thing. And it, it could happen four out of five days or five out of five days or six out of seven days. It just, it is what it is with this type of uh, job. Like it's, it's not a open up your calendar and I'm going to get these 10 things done today and nothing's going to get in my way. It rarely, rarely happens that way. Absolutely. So I guess uh, to wrap up here, if if for the people who are listening, if you're interested in this type of trade and you're interested in either making a career change or you're a junior and you want to move up to a regular or senior operator and, and you have some more questions and, and you're not sure who to ask and you'd like to ask us, uh, you can reach us out on Instagram at Maintenance Maniacs Podcast. That's the handle. Uh, you can email us, uh, maintenancemaniacspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on the Anchor app. Uh, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker. Anyway, it's it's around. Uh, so you can definitely uh, hit us up via email or via Instagram. Send us a message for sure. Uh, Chris, you got anything more you want to add on this topic of, of starting out as a, as a new operator or uh, starting out at a new position somewhere? So I, I, I think we covered some of the big questions that people would ask. Um, I would just encourage if, if this is something you think you want to do, um, absolutely utilize our experience and, and hit us up in one of many ways. Uh, we love interacting with people. We love talking about what we do. This, this is the only reason we're doing this. It's exactly. Just, it's just it's because we love it. and helping, right? For yep, sure. Absolutely. For sure. Hey, Chris, I got a question for you before we go. What's that? What's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? One will see you later and one will see you in a while. I got a strong back, steel toes. I'm handy with a wrench. There's nothing I can't drive, nothing I can't fix. I work sun up. To sundown, ain't too proud to sweep the floors. 